0: We all know there are times when you don't have many choices in who you work with, like when a pipe bursts and you need a plumber right now. But when it comes to your mental health, you should have choices so you don't get stuck with a therapist who can't remember what you tell them every week. To find a good therapist for you, try ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including thousands of mental health providers. We're talking about therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed, in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments, either online or in person. I use this, and you should too. Go to ZocDoc.com stronger and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash stronger. Zocdoc.com slash stronger. On today's episode of Mentally Stronger, every single person has probably entered into some kind of a relationship with somebody and ignored red flags at one point or another.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And that's what the research shows is that anyone and everyone can fall prey to a person like this until you get really educated.
0: And so all along when you noticed red flags, or I guess, did you ignore them or did you notice them and then talk yourself out of paying attention to them? You know,
1: I don't, I don't think I, you know, back then I didn't know there were red flags and what I felt was wrong inside, I would rationalize. So when I first met my ex-husband, And I was modeling in the city, very happy as a 23-year-old. And he was like, if you don't marry me, I'm not going to date you. And it was like this threatening, dominating behavior. And I was like, what do you mean? I don't want to get married. But inside, I was like, this is wrong. But then I was like, oh, he just loves me so much. I didn't know because at the bottom of a trauma bond is coercive control. So I didn't understand what his controlling behavior was. But my gut said it was wrong, but again, I didn't have a name.
0: Welcome to Mentally Stronger, the show that will help you develop the mental strength you need to reach your greatest potential, no matter what life throws your way. I'm Amy Morin, psychotherapist, mental strength trainer, and an international best-selling author of six books on mental strength. Every Monday, I introduce you to a guest whose story and expertise can inspire you to think, feel, and do your best in life. And the fun part is, we record it all from a sailboat in the Florida Keys. Now let's dive in today's episode. Have you ever been in an unhealthy relationship? Are you in one now? Do you wonder why other people stay in unhealthy relationships? If you answered yes to any of those questions, today's episode is for you. We're talking about the psychology behind unhealthy relationships. Why do we get in them? Why do we stay in them? And why is it so hard to leave? Whether you're married to somebody that you think is a narcissist, or you once dated someone you now think might be a psychopath, there's a reason that we sometimes get sucked into being with unhealthy people. No one knows this better than Dr. Nadine Macaluso. She was married to Jordan Belfort, the man who is now known as the Wolf of Wall Street. Nadine says she endured 14 years of a contentious relationship that included domestic violence, gaslighting, and emotional abuse before getting divorced. She says the reason she stayed is because they had a trauma bond. She's now a therapist who helps other people who are in similar relationship situations, and she's written a book called Run Like Hell. Some of the things she shares today are how to recognize a pathological lover— to recognize a toxic emotional connection, and how to break free from a trauma bond. So here's Dr. Nadine Macaluso on how to recover from a trauma bond. Dr. Nadine Macaluso, welcome to Mentally Stronger.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So you became a therapist to help people deal with... uh, Relationships that aren't particularly healthy, but you didn't just do that because you wanted to go to college and teach people about what you learned out of a textbook. You have some Correct. personal, you have some personal experience with this. Can you give us a, a an the overview of how you came to be an expert in this subject? Yeah, so
1: I was um, very lucky in the sense that I grew up in a home that was very psychological. My mother was talking always talking about feelings, so that's the sort of um, way that I grew up. OK, so then I'm living my life. I grew up with a single mom. I'm poor. I decided to go model in New York City and because I needed to make money. And as I was modeling, I actually went to a party at the Hamptons and I met my infamous ex-husband, the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort. And so as the movie shows, I went into the party and I met him. And as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> or as they say, it's one for the movies.
0: Right, right. Yeah, who would have thought your life would have been turned into a movie? How accurate is the movie to the to your real life experience?
1: You know, the the way that it's very accurate, the movie The Wolf of Wall Street is my ex-husband's drug addiction was shown very accurately and just like the complete absurdity of our life. That I would say that that was very accurate. What wasn't so accurate was actually the stuff that we fought about, which was his drug addiction. But he portrayed it more about me getting angry about other women.
0: Ah. So you refer to him as a narcissist. But I think the term narcissist in the mental health world gets used incorrectly quite often. People will use it for almost anything these days. Somebody disagrees with you, they're a narcissist. What does it really mean to be a narcissist? Yeah. So,
1: you know, so in my book, uh, Run Like Hell, I use the term pathological lover, actually because I think it's much more encompassing. But if we're going to you know, strictly just dive into narcissism first, it's someone who's entitled, who feels that they're superior, usually lacks a moral compass. And the way I say it, it's someone that is very self-absorbed, and they will use, exploit, betray, or deceive the person that they love to get their needs met for money, power, pleasure, and status.
0: How does that differ from the pathological... Lover,
1: idea. so so, the, so so I always say the narcissist is actually the lightest of the traits in the pathological lover spectrum because under the umbrella pathological lover, I use the term dark tetrad, and that is that encompasses narcissism, psychopathy, Machiavellianism, and sadism, and then the pathological lover usually has an impulse control issue. Uh, Compulsive process disorders, substance abuse, and a mental health challenge. So you can see the person is very complicated. So sometimes in my videos, I'll use the term narcissism just so people understand what I'm talking about. But it's a much deeper pathological personality than just that. When you're in a trauma bond,
0: Uh, maybe we should define that term too. How do you define trauma bond? Yeah, so a trauma
1: bond is is a relationship that's toxic between two emotionally connected people. But there are two conditions that must exist for a trauma bond to exist. And the first one is something called intermittent abuse. And what that means is that 70% of the time, your partner is controlling selfish and abusive, but then the 30% of the time, they can be nice and generous and helpful. And it's those extreme experiences in the connection that actually, ironically, create the bond. And then the second thing that must be present is a power imbalance. One person usually has most of the power in the relationship and they abuse and exploit that power.
0: So what does it look like when you first get in a relationship with one of these people? What is it that will draw somebody into them?
1: I know. And that's why I, you know, it's a fascinating topic. Why do smart, beautiful, kind women end up in these toxic relationships? And the reason they do is because usually the pathological lover will up on them and they will give them tons of adoration, admiration, and flattery in the beginning, right? And lavish them with trips and gifts and promises of eternal love. And they do that in a very intense way that really is
0: very hard to resist because it feels good. Love bombing feels good. I just listened to the to the podcast, Dirty John. Are you familiar with that story? I am actually. Uh,
1: Tara Newell actually did her podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the whole story of how he was able to, to reel these women in sounds very similar that he was able to trick them into thinking he was the greatest thing ever. Lied to them about so many things, uh, swindled them out of money in the end, did all of these horrible things, yet had so many women that loved him because he was so good at what he did.
1: Yeah, because, you know, if you're a very trusting person and somebody acts kind to you, you think that the person is genuine. You don't think it's a manipulation. But, uh, you know, he's an extreme example of that. And then it goes on a spectrum and the manipulation initially is very easy to fall for.
0: And you say there are certain types of people that are more likely to fall for this, right?
1: Yes, yes. And that was another reason why I wrote my book is because I was so sick and tired of the victim being pathologized, right? Because like you're enabling, you're codependent, you have learned helplessness. And it's like, no, what the research shows, and I got very excited in 2008. when I discovered Sandra Brown's research um, and a book that she wrote, um, Women Who Love Psychopaths. (laughs) And what she explained was that women that have personality traits of agreeableness and conscientiousness, meaning they're loyal and kind and tolerant or very organized and driven and very integrity oriented, are perfect prey for these men because if you think about those traits, they're great. We're not going to therapize those traits out of people, right? But in the wrong hands, they get weaponized.
0: I'm glad you explained that because there is a lot of judgment, right? From the outside, people are like, why would you stay? Or how come you didn't recognize yeah. these red flags? Why would you do that? And then we do. There's those terms like codependent that get tossed around as if it's, right. the, it's, as if it's the partner that has the, the mental illness that needs to be changed.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, that was my story with my ex because he was such a severe drug addict. So everybody was like, you're codependent. But at the time, you know, this was 25 years ago when nobody was talking about this. I was like, there's something more like, okay, maybe I'm a little enabling and I'm a little too nice, but no, I'm not responsible for his ridiculously cruel abusive behavior. But I didn't have terms for it then.
0: And I think it's easy from the outside to say like, ah, how did you ignore those red flags? Every single person has probably entered into some kind of a relationship with somebody and ignored red flags at one point or another.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And that's what the research shows is that anyone and everyone can fall prey to a person like this until you get really educated.
0: And so all along when you noticed red flags, or I guess, did you ignore them or did you notice them and then talk yourself out of paying attention to them?
1: you know, I don't, I don't think I, you know, back then I didn't know there were red flags and what I felt was wrong inside, I would rationalize. So when I first met my ex-husband and I was modeling in the city, very happy as a 23 year old. And he was like, if you don't marry me, I'm not going to date you. And it was like this threatening, dominating behavior. And I was like, what do you mean? I don't want to get married, but Inside, I was like, this is wrong. But then I was like, oh, he just loves me so much. I didn't know because at the bottom of a trauma bond is coercive control. So I didn't understand what his controlling behavior was. But my gut said it was wrong. But again, I didn't have a name for it.
0: Were you getting opinions from outside people? Did he try to isolate you from friends and family?
1: You know, he didn't like I would say physically isolate me, but I think the coercive control is very emotionally isolating and when you're living with a powerful dominant person like that everybody else's voice even if they give you opinions gets drowned out and then you mix in love and all those hormones and you know you just yeah my mother sat me down she was like you know you don't have to get married I was like no mom but I love them
0: <laughs> so, if somebody listening says, "I'm not in one of these relationships, but I think my friend, my family member is, what would you recommend that they that they do or should they do anything
1: um i I have this question that I throw out is to ask your friends do they want to be helped, hurt, or held mm. because the process of a trauma bond is so shame based it's a deeply psychological process and like we talked about, the person feels so much shame already. And so really, because when you're in a trauma bond, the partner doesn't care about your needs. So I think asking that question is really invites them to share what they need at that moment. And that might change from day to day because the relationship is so dramatic and erratic.
0: I like that because we're so often, we want to give advice, right? And it's easy to give advice from the outside, like,
1: We don't give advice, you know, it's more like holding the space and facilitating somebody's process.
0: Let's pause for a quick second to get a word from today's sponsors. Do you want to get high quality meat delivered straight to your house or in my case, a sailboat? Try ButcherBox. It saves me time and money. And if you order right now, Mentally Stronger listeners can get steak, chicken, or salmon free in every single order for an entire year. I love that ButcherBox offers grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and wild-caught seafood. There are no antibiotics or added hormones. They even offer vegetarian options. ButcherBox lets you decide how often you want deliveries, and you can pick a curated plan, or you could completely customize your box. Sign up at ButcherBox.com Stronger and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer, plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com Stronger and use code STRONGER to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Okay, let's dive back into the episode. Right. But I know so many moms or sisters are out there and they're like, no, I just want to tell you, don't do this. Or why are you, you're a smart woman. Why are you doing this to yourself?
1: Yeah. And, and that's, again, why I wrote my book is because I believe that education leads to empowerment. Because as I keep mentioning, the brain needs terms to integrate this whole process.
0: Yeah. And when we have that language, it helps us make more sense of what's happening. So
1: much more sense. So much more.
0: And although it sounds simple on the surface, just leave, the other person is probably not going to let you go easily, right?
1: No. And also you have to remember there's financial dependency, emotional dependency. Sometimes there's children. A lot of times there's fear. Post-separation abuse is real. And people also fear retaliation. And the other crazy part is that even though you're getting abused or controlled by your partner... They also become your soother. And so it takes the researchers, it takes a woman four to seven times to leave.
0: How did you finally get the courage uh, to leave?
1: Yeah, so I had absolutely had it. And um, I always say this to my patients. Luckily for me, my ex-husband got arrested. So that was my ticket to ride. Because he was the government's problem now and I knew I could safely leave. And it was he was, it was so apparent that he was wrong now, that he was the wrong person. Right. So I was like, okay, this is my chance, and I left.
0: So then for people who maybe don't have that physical separation, yes. what do you recommend that they do?
1: I recommend that first of all they get into therapy with someone who understands, who's trained in Personality disorders, narcissism, trauma bonds, who really, really gets it that they get educated and that they um, really, when we're in a trauma bond, we're so obsessed with our partner. So, what I always invite them to do is turn the mirror back towards themselves, get curious about themselves. What is their attachment patterns? What are their personality traits? Um, And also, really start to build self confidence by starting a career, becoming good at some things outside of the relationship, Um, not isolating, connecting with two or three friends that know really what's happening. Because you will get to the point once you've done all these things and also have really good self-care because you need self-care to stay normal in this relationship. And once you build your internal resources, one day you will wake up and you'll feel brave enough to leave.
0: Is there usually a a final straw moment, something that happens that makes somebody say, okay, I can't do this anymore? Yes. Yes. And in
1: fact, I, I write that in my book where it can be because of the children, they feel physically unsafe. Like me, they've just had it. They feel strong enough in themselves because they have built a lot of confidence or they or they just, you know, they can't take it anymore. Or sometimes they get left too by the partner you know, which then feels devastating because they tolerate all this and then they get discarded. But yes, there's usually a place where somebody's like, that's it.
0: How often is it that it's the woman who's the narcissist and the, the male is a partner?
1: You know, I get asked that question a lot and it's a hot topic. Yeah. Based on my practice and the research, I would say the majority of the time it is the man because we live in a patriarchy. And I think men do feel more entitled. Um, So, but there are women, of course, you know, and their same-sex relationships, you know. So, uh, it's not, of course, strictly male, but it's just what the research in my office brings to me.
0: And uh, you know, I asked a question too because I was thinking most of the examples we hear about are usually that it's a a male narcissist with a with a female partner and. Uh, the stories like yours, or the story of Dirty John.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't mean, of course, that it doesn't go the reverse way. Yeah, it does, of course. But it's just, I think, because of the patriarchy and the hierarchy, and um, you know, men also have testosterone, you know, and they can be more dominant innately. And some of them even take more testosterone to make them more dominant. Right but I love men, you know, I'm married for 24 years and my son is healthy. And so there's plenty of healthy men out there. It's just, I want to protect women from the ones that aren't.
0: Right. How about the healing process after somebody leaves a relationship? I imagine you don't just wake up the next day and say, Oh, that's over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I wish I, I always say, I wish I had a magic wand. Okay. You're healed. No, the healing process is a long process and it can be a long recovery. It also depends on if you had, to, if the person had developmental trauma even before this relationship. So you have to remember, right? It's a trauma bond, so that means you have trauma symptoms. So the person usually has complex PTSD symptoms, which um, they can go to therapy and for sure heal. I mean, that's but it will take effort. And the first thing after you've been uh, traumatized is to stabilize with self care. So you need good heat, good eating, good sleeping, therapy, exercise, meditation, journaling to stabilize so you can then do the work of healing.
0: I would imagine there's so many emotions going on, sort of the relief. People might feel guilt, but they also might feel some anxiety and they might miss the other person and grief all mixed in at once, the life you thought you were going to have.
1: Yeah. And they ruminate and they don't stop thinking and they get flashbacks And a a huge symptom after you leave a trauma bond, which really um, makes it different than typical trauma, is they get positive intrusive flashbacks. Mm -hmm. So they get intrusive flashbacks of the love bombing and the good side that can try to pull them back in that they have to really be aware of and fight.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. And that's really good to have like an accountability person or a therapist that when you get that positive intrusive flashback. What I say to them is go back to facts. He lied, he cheated, he betrayed you, he abused you, right? So we got to go back to facts to deal with the feelings.
0: Which makes sense because otherwise I think you could probably romanticize it and talk yourself back into thinking it wasn't that bad.
1: And especially if they're trying to get you back. Right. Right? Then that's even more. They're like you're playing tug, you know, tug (laughs) tug of war.
0: And then I can only imagine the fear then of entering into another relationship at some point and being worried that this could happen again.
1: Forget it. That to me was my biggest fear. And um, yeah, that's everybody's biggest fear. And, you know, I always say, you know, some experts say two years. I think that's long to tell a 30-year-old girl. Should I usually say a year, like give your, really give yourself a year to heal. And then, you know... I have tips to prevent trauma bonding. I have a pathological lover checklist. So with the education and learning about yourself and the traits that you have, you really can prevent yourself from entering into a trauma bond because nobody wants to put themselves back in that painful situation.
0: Right. And I would imagine if you don't get help and you don't get treatment, it would be easy to fall back into that pattern.
1: So easy. And especially if you don't understand your agreeable, if you are high in agreeableness, you really need to understand if you have that trait, because again, you're just naturally wired to be trusting and kind and altruistic. And that just doesn't work. Works great in friendship.
0: <laughs> right, right. And so I guess for people then to not beat themselves up for having these traits, knowing that it can be a good thing, but we need a A wall to protect ourselves from the people that will take advantage of it.
1: Right. That will manipulate it and see it and not cherish it.
0: And then there is hope to move on. Once you have the education, the knowledge, and the tools, then you can, if you move into another relationship, you will recognize the red flags early on and you can prevent it from happening.
1: Yeah. And you'll notice, you know, if someone doesn't respect your boundaries or if somebody's words aren't matching their actions Or if they're, you know, keep saying that they're going to change their substance abuse issues and they're not doing it, right? So you'll start to see, is this person very possessive and jealous unnecessarily? You'll start to know them and you'll confront the person. And I always say, if somebody can't hear you, they can't love you.
0: Ah, that makes sense.
1: Right. So if you notice that this person, this new person because who's perfect? Nobody. We all have things that we have to make compromises about. But the, when I met my current husband, we had our first disagreement, and I told him something. And he goes, yeah, I hear that. I was like, what? And it almost fell off my chair. So that's a good sign. That's a green flag.
0: Right. <laughs> I like that. What other green flag should we be on the lookout for? Yeah. And someone
1: again, whose words match their actions. They say they're going to do something and they have follow through on it. Who isn't, you know, highly possessive or jealous because usually people that are highly possessive and jealous, that means that they're cheaters. Um, People also like double standards, a person who doesn't have double standards, you know, who, who you can be an equal partner with and that respects you. And also A big thing in a trauma bonds is a person super controlling. I always say love has two pieces, quality of connection and someone giving you space to be who you are, right? Not forcing you to be who they want you to be. And so, yeah, those are some really important green flags.
0: And what about the other person's history of exes? If they claim they have 17 exes who are all crazy and 14 of them have restraining orders, that's probably also a red flag, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's a huge red flag. But who even knows if they'll tell you? A lot of times they will complain about their partners and their ex-partners say they were crazy, they were crazy, they were crazy. But a lot of times if they're really good con men, they won't tell you.
0: Right. And I think they often have like a strange story of why perhaps they're family, their siblings, they don't have contact with them and why other people in their lives have disappeared or something like that.
1: Yeah. And you'll notice a pattern of they're always the victim. I mean, I mm. laugh, but it's not funny, but they are always the victim. And it's something called victim signaling where they, even though they're the ones perpetrating people or you, for somehow it's your fault and they're your victim.
0: Yes, and they I, and when I hear these stories too of people that say and and then this happened and then they everything was always they were too late for this they weren't able to get that yeah. other people are taking advantage of them
1: everything's always happening to them and so you'll you'll see that pattern and listen sometimes we are true victims you know but when it's the perpetrator that's twisting it and gaslighting you and saying that now they're your victim when you clearly know that that's not the case, that's when the mind stuff just really, you could see how it plays on people. And again, especially if you're in love.
0: Right. How about the invention of so many of these things with technology? Since since you had this relationship, a lot of things have evolved in terms of social media and they have trackers. Yes. And you can do lots of things to somebody else's phone. Are you seeing how these things are playing out in modern day relationships. Yeah.
1: All the cyber stalking is very real.
0: Yeah. It's,
1: it's very real. Uh, Cause it's another way to control somebody. It's another way to keep tabs on somebody. And then social media can just be a mess for uh, people having intimate relationships online, you know, stepping outside the relationship in that way. Yeah social media has added a whole nother layer that I don't think I could have taken another layer.
0: So I'm glad that wasn't around. Let's pause for a quick second to get a word from today's sponsors. Okay. Let's dive back into the episode. I, you know, I can only imagine too, cause that's what I hear from people or they'll say like, I think my, my partner's tracking me or they're stalking my phone yeah. or they have put, you know, GPS tracker on my car yet. I think I'm also paranoid, but am I really? And they start to second guess so many things.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that's, I'm glad you brought that point up because when you've been controlled and dominated and demeaned and insulted, right, you start to really have extreme self-doubt. And the thing, though, is to really trust your gut, trust your body, trust your core. If something doesn't feel right, probably isn't right. Don't ignore that signal and do what I did, rationalize it.
0: That's tough to do. So let's say somebody says, all right, something doesn't quite feel right. What should they do next?
1: I think that they should watch for a pattern of behavior. You know, a one-off, okay, that's different. But if you're noticing a pattern of dominating behavior or lying behavior that doesn't feel right, time and time and time again, explore it. Now, your partner, if you're with the truly pathological person, is not gonna tell you the truth. So figure out a way to find the truth or figure out a way to get out from under their dominating, intimidating behavior.
0: And I think sometimes when people have somebody that they trust in their life, whether it's a, a friend or a family member, and you can say these three things happened. Yes, they actually, you know, should I be concerned about it? Does this sound weird to you? And if you can bounce that off of somebody else who isn't as emotionally invested.
1: Yeah, somebody, somebody with a much more objective view for sure, for sure can help. As long as it's not somebody else with an agreeable personality.
0: (laughs) Right. And I think other times friends want to think the best of somebody like, oh, no, it's fine. But there are times when you have somebody who can say, you know, that those three things do sound strange yes. or it's more than a coincidence that that happened and they can point out some things that maybe you don't see or that you're trying to overlook.
1: Correct. hundred percent.
0: So we know that you have hope that people who are coming out of an abusive relationship can heal. What about for the person themselves, somebody that's a pathological lover? How much hope do you hold out that they'll change?
1: Uh, yeah. So I always say this, I'm in the business of change and hope right? Or else we wouldn't do what we do. Right. So I, I do, I've seen it both ways. I've seen people change and people not change. I've seen more pathological men change that have more like a borderline foundation because they're, I think, genu- genuinely more relational. But um, some, here's the bottom line. If somebody wants to change, they can change. But a lot of times, pathological people don't want to change because they like the comforts that come with being manipulative. They don't have that much of a motivation to change.
0: What's your thoughts on why they turn out to become these pathological lovers?
1: Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting. When I was writing my book, I um, had this guy, Joshua Miller, who's an expert on dark tetrad, the top researcher in the country, helped me. And whenever I would write things that weren't correct, he'd be like, Nadine, take that out. And so I had read through the research that psychopaths, especially, are born like that. And he said, Nadine, you got to take that out. That's actually not empirically true. And so I do think, um, I wrote my, I got my doctorate in really about de- developmental trauma. And I do think a lot of it stems from childhood. A, living with a dominating, controlling abusive parent. It can be learned behavior. Or the other extreme, uh, getting raised in a home where there are no consequences and you're very entitled and you're told what a wonderful child you are without earning it. So I think those extreme experiences combined with temperament and, of course, our culture can create this person.
0: Interesting. But if they learned all of these things and it's a cultural influence that is hopeful that they can then unlearn them as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do believe a lot of it is learned behavior because if you think about it, a baby, like in a, you know, a a seven-year-old boy, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody grows up and is like, I want to be a manipulative, abusive, controlling person. Right. (laughs) I mean, I just, maybe I'm just too optimistic, (laughs) but even though I've seen it left and right, I do think a lot of it stems from the home.
0: And is your practice now pre- predominantly people who are in these relationships or who have been in them? Yeah, a lot.
1: Yes, a lot of it.
0: A lot of it is. I
1: mean, I didn't start out like that. I didn't know this was necessarily going to be my specialty, even with my past, which kind of seems obvious, <laughs> but, it just, <laughs> but it just really evolves like that. And I love it because I love helping women.
0: And how common do you think it is? Oh, my God.
1: So common. I, 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 when I tell people what I do or what I wrote about, very rarely do people say to me, I have no idea what you're talking about, or that never happened to me. I think it's much more common than we know, of course, again, on a spectrum.
0: Right. And I think it's common as well, but because so many people feel isolated or embarrassed that it doesn't yeah. get talked about. So that's why I'm grateful that stories like yours have been made public for people to say, I can relate to that. Yeah. And,
1: and, and, my, and I want to take away the stigma of this toxic relationship because we're human. We're built for relationships and we're not taught how to do them.
0: And then what was it like for you once the movie came out and your story became public?
1: You know, luckily I've been in therapy forever. So I processed it ad nauseum. Um, but it was at first I was pissed. Cause I was like, Oh, I mean, I lived through this Greek tragedy once. Are you kidding me? Um, but then I always I always allow myself to have this big initial reaction and then I let myself deflate and be like, okay, you know what? I have no control over this. I have to surrender into this process because there's nothing I can do about it. And then I think once you surrender, at least when I surrender, then things are able to open up and change. And who knew that it then it would be a good thing. I'd get to use it for good.
0: So then when the movie came out, you had no control over any of it? Interesting.
1: Wow, I had no control. It wasn't my narrative. wasn't I had no creative input. That's why I didn't let them use my name, even though everybody knows it's me. But you know, no, I had nothing, nothing to do with it.
0: Wow. So I could imagine that had the potential to also be quite potentially damaging to you as well.
1: It could have been totally, totally. But the thing is that. Um, There is a law that if you create, use somebody's likeness and that prohibits them from being able to make money, you can sue. Ah. So I was a therapist at the time. And when I, when Martin Scorsese's office called me to ask me if I would meet with Margot Robbie, I think they were like fishing around to see if I was going to sue them. And I said, I don't, I don't make my money like that. I said, you know, but I will tell you one thing. I am a mother and that needs to be very well
0: protected that makes sense my kids come first right
1: right no my kids come first and listen i they like jordan's enough of a character (laughs) they they didn't need to really embellish my character that much because he's
0: crazy and then have you had contact with him over the years
1: Sure. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we have two beautiful children. My daughter's a therapist. My son's a musician. We just have a beautiful grandchild. My my daughter had a grandson. And yes, we've, we've managed to maintain a, a good enough relationship all these years.
0: There, I think that will give people hope then who said, you know, yeah. I have kids, I'm tied to this person forever that perhaps you can still co-parent or manage it in a healthy way.
1: Yeah. And initially, of course, that's really always hard as it was for me. But as time's gone on, we've been able to do it. And I always say, if we could do it, then pretty much anybody could do it.
0: So then what's your last piece of advice? Somebody maybe who says, yes, I'm in one of these relationships. Perhaps they've read your book. What do you think they should do next? Or what's the one thing they could do to to move on and work on their healing? I think, um,
1: as I mentioned before, is to really get curious about themselves and learn about themselves and any fears that they have about growth and recovery, just know that they're normal and know that the more they face their fears, the more they'll be able to transform and grow and build confidence.
0: I love it. Dr. Nadine Macaluso, thank you so much for sharing your story, for having this book and for helping other people who are also struggling. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Welcome to The Therapist Take. It's the part of the show where I'll break down Nadine's mental strength-building strategies and share how to apply them to your life. Here are three of my favorite strategies that she shared. One, be on the lookout for red flags. I'm sure you've heard this before, that you should always be on the lookout for red flags, but we often don't know what exactly are those red flags we should be looking for. Dr. Macaluso says to be on the lookout for people who feel entitled they feel superior, they lack a moral compass, they're self-absorbed, they're manipulative, they struggle with impulse control, they have substance abuse issues, and they have unmet mental health challenges. They also might be willing to exploit you, betray you, or deceive you so that they can meet their needs for money, power, pleasure, and status. That's a lot of things to be on the lookout for but it's also important to be on the lookout for our tendency to minimize those things or ignore them or make excuses for them too. Number two, get help from somebody outside the relationship. It's common to blame yourself for not being a good enough communicator or for not doing what you should to make the other person happy. That's part of the issue, right? Is they'll blame you for everything and they'll cause you to second guess yourself. You might think if you were just a stronger person, you could stand it longer or you could fix things. But more mental strength won't fix a relationship if it's a toxic situation. I don't want anybody to think that they had to leave because they lack mental strength. In fact, sometimes leaving a relationship takes an incredible amount of mental strength. Get an outside perspective if you can. Talking to somebody else might help you see that somebody's gaslighting you. Or it might reinforce that what's happening isn't normal. If you question if you should leave or you have concerns about your relationship, talk to a therapist if you can. An objective person can be really helpful and it can be safer too. If you tell somebody that knows both you and your partner, there's always the risk that they're going to take sides. Or in worst case scenarios, they might even reveal your concerns to the other person. There are also tons of domestic violence hotlines, support groups, and online forums that could also be an option. And number three, practice self-care. Healing from almost anything, in fact, healing from everything, starts with taking care of yourself. And when it comes to healing your mind, you can start by making sure you're managing the basics of taking care of your body. Eating a healthy diet, getting adequate sleep, Getting plenty of exercise are all key, but I know those things are tough to do when you're going through an emotional roller coaster. Just do your best. Add in the things that you need to do to work on your mental health, too. That might be reading books, writing in a journal, doing yoga, and taking time to be with friends and family. Keep in mind that a lot of the passive things that we do, like watching TV or scrolling through social media— don't actually help us relax and they don't give us a boost in well-being. So it's important to be proactive about the steps that you're taking to heal. So those are three of Dr. Macaluso's tips that I highly recommend. Be on the lookout for red flags, get help from somebody outside the relationship and practice self-care so that you can heal. If you want to learn more tips from Dr. Nadine Macaluso, check out her book, Run Like Hell. Thank you for hanging out with me today and for listening to the Mentally Stronger podcast. If you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. It's one of the best ways to help us get the show in front of other people so that we can keep making the world a stronger place. If you know somebody that could benefit from learning more about mental strength, share this show with them. Simply sharing a link to this episode could help somebody feel better and grow stronger. And if you want more tips on building mental strength, subscribe to Mentally Stronger Premium. You get weekly bonus episodes and exclusive extras for being a premium subscriber. Sign up at mentallystronger.supercast.com or just click on the link in the show notes. And as always, a big thank you to my show's producer, who says he may have ignored a red flag or two in his life, Nick Valentine.